Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by the Miami Heat's Director of Cuban Coffee Development, Anthony Chang. What's going on, Anthony? Today's the proudest day in my journalism <laughs> career by far. It's not even close and I'm not even joking. Like, helping get Cuban coffee into the bubble... I just, I don't even know, like, I usually, I, you know, I'm pretty modest, but I think this is, like, a huge accomplishment, and I hope everybody just applauds me for this effort. Yeah, as I, I said on Twitter this morning, you're like an influencer. This is what influencers are like, am. you just get free stuff. Well, no, you didn't get it for yourself, but although, maybe they should send you some now, um, but uh, you, you got it to uh, the people who really needed it. You're a, you're a good Samaritan. I am, and... I will say this, like, I was kind of surprised we still acted so fast, but I guess considering they're a Heat sponsor, right? Um, they had to jump on it, obviously, and it's Orlando, it's not too far, so it was like a, a day and a half, and the coffee was in the bubble, um, so props to Bustelo for getting that done. Was uh, was Spo appreciative? Did he, did he mention it today? Uh, he did not mention it today, um, but I do know from a source that he was thankful yes <laughs> <laughs> um all right you want to talk about actual basketball now yeah let's do it all right a little later on we are going to be joined uh once again by tim reynolds from the associated press who is inside the bubble he will give us the scoop on what week one was like up there in lake buena vista i realize we haven't talked actually since the season started back up i think last time we recorded was last wednesday i don't think any games had started i think we recorded on the eve of that opening night. Um, he'd have played four times since then, pretty much against like the who's who ahead of them in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I guess the three teams ahead of them in the Eastern Conference. Uh, two and... Or, sorry, one and two against what? that group. Um, two and two now overall with that win against Denver to start things off. Um, let's start with the Bucks game because that's what's fresh. Obviously, no Jimmy, no Goron. The Heat were up 23, I think, right? Was that the largest lead at one point? And then yes. totally First flips time. in the second half. Um, what what have kind of been your big takeaways of the weekend of the week so far? And I guess specifically today, you know, that was obviously probably the toughest test they faced yet, considering who was missing and and the opponent. And I don't know for the half was electric, and then obviously the second half was uh, pretty unwatchable if you're a Heat fan. Yeah, look like. This Bucks game, like it, it was an interesting game, like you said, because the Heat were ahead by 23 and were playing so well in the first half. But I think entering it, like I don't think many, obviously many didn't expect the Heat to win without Jimmy and Goron against a, a Bucks team at full strength and coming off a you know a two game losing streak. Like yeah. they were, you could tell today, like they were they weren't holding back. Like they they wanted to win this game. Um, but but I think the takeaway is is like. They, the Heat, to me, still match up well with Milwaukee. Yeah, and definitely. And we've talked about this before, but Milwaukee allows so many threes. And you saw it again today. I think, what did the Heat take? They took 46 three-pointers today. Mm-hmm. Made 21 of them. Shot 45%, which, yeah. I mean, I, that has to be... That has to be one of their best shooting games in franchise history. Like, I yeah. think they were one away from tying the record for most threes in a game and considering they're one away and they shot 45 percent from three like this is probably one of their top five best shooting games in in, in team history um so i a i think they match up well because of that like their strength is milwaukee's weakness but then on the other side of that 
Milwaukee's so good around the rim. Like, they make it so tough in the paint for teams. You saw with Bam today, 2 mm-hmm. of 10, was in foul trouble for most of the game, never could get going. He just couldn't – he couldn't score in the paint. Um, I think the Heat as a team finished – where they finished? They finished uh, 11 of 27 in the paint with 22 points. Like, that's that's 40%. Yeah, they only made 14 twos today. 14-2. I think there were like 3 or 15 in the paint in the second half. Something yeah. like that. So just, that, the point is, is like, they, to beat the Bucks, you have to make threes because they're so good at defending around the rim. They're the best in the league numbers-wise at that. So you have to make threes to beat them, and he can do that. Um, and I think that's why, yeah, they might they have the best player on the court by far, obviously, but uh, as a team, I think that he could, could make it tough on Milwaukee, and I think we saw that again today, even in the loss. Yeah, Milwaukee's scary. I mean, they are like you. You. It was weird because that during that first half, like you're watching, like, oh my god, the Heat might actually just like be better than them, because like yeah. they were getting so many open threes, they were making them. Obviously, no Jimmy. Um, you know, Giannis was. I think his minutes were more limited in the first half. Um, but again, like you said, Bam's minutes were limited too. I think they really missed him in the in the third quarter when he, he was out for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were just. They were picking them apart, and then in the second half, just Milwaukee can turn on the defense in a way that I don't know if any other team in the East necessarily can. You know, I, I think you know the Clippers are kind of like the obvious team that's just going to be able to turn on the defense. Um, you know, maybe Toronto, I guess, can do it in the same way, but just Milwaukee with with Giannis, with, with Brooke Lopez, who's been such a good rim defender. Um, you know, Chris Middleton is, is a guy who can turn it up on the defensive end. They just have so many guys who's in the second half, the Heat, you know, they were still getting their threes, but a lot of it was like Derek Jones was shooting and like Solomon Hill was shooting deep threes. Like yeah. the the Bucks were making them work for it in the second half when they could turn that defense on. And then Giannis is as good as uh, Bam is at guarding him. He is still just he's on a different tier than everyone else, obviously in the Eastern Conference. It's not like a, a revelation, but um, yeah, he he is. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I you know I. And it's over a larger sample size that it's proven like Milwaukee's a better team than yeah, Miami. Yeah. I just think what they do, what the Heat does well, um, obviously could work against Milwaukee. And I mean, today, again, like as as much as we say, like I, to me, I'm not one of the guys, one of those guys that say, oh, the Heat beat them twice, so that means they can beat them in a series. Like that, that doesn't work like that. Yeah, but they definitely but do match up with them probably better than. Sorry. Did most teams, I would say, right? Yeah, they do match up better with them than. They, I mean, maybe even they like you know, Boston is clearly not as good as them. Toronto is not as good as them, but the Heat sort of match up better with them than um, yeah, some of those teams. I playing style wise, yes. And today, I mean, today was it's hard to really take a ton from it other than like yeah. what I was saying about the three point three pointer stuff because like Bam played twenty one minutes, Jimmy did not play, Goron did not play, and Goron has been it's, like it's their tough. best player in the bubble pretty much. Yeah, I mean, Goran has been incredible in the bubble yeah. so far, and you have to hope, we can get to this later, but you have to hope he's healthy. Right. Um, you know, obviously he's older, he's dealt with injuries recently, like last year, his, his knee was an issue, this is just, this is the ankle, but still, you, you have to hope it doesn't hurt his play, but mm-hmm. yeah, like, I, I don't know what, like, big picture thing you can take from this game, because the Heat were so shorthanded, um, and they were kind of playing with house money after beating Boston without Jimmy, which was not expected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they they made it tough on Milwaukee, but obviously Milwaukee 
the final score doesn't indicate that, but the Heat were ahead by one with like four minutes left. Like, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, the last like the the fourth quarter was pretty entertaining until the last couple of minutes. Like the the third quarter was really ugly for the Heat, obviously. Um, but that fourth quarter, like they were going back and forth there. Um, you know, guys making good plays. For, you know, got like role players, like I said, kind of making big plays. Like Derek Jones did hit a couple big jumpers. Um, you know, Duncan obviously had, had a, a very good first half in particular. Tyler Hero um, had a great first half. Got sloppy with the turnovers in the second half, but I mean, they were they were going back and forth, and that's I think one of the big things we are. You know, it's obviously not going to be a normal playoffs playoff atmosphere, and I I don't think this is surprising to anyone who watched the Heat all year, but like they. I know they've got a lot of guys who have not played in playoff games before, but it does not seem like they're going to be uh, shaken at all going into the postseason. Yeah, it's a different type of playoffs, right? Like, right, um, yeah. No, as far no as fans. the atmosphere, it's yep. just totally, yeah, it's a little different. So I think it's new for everybody. But, yeah, I mean, big picture-wise, and like that was part of your question too, like these first four games, I think I've learned, and we have kind of knew this already before the season was suspended, but the Heat can – play with anybody in the Eastern Conference. Can they beat them in a series? I don't know. But they have a roster that may, I think could really match up. It's so versatile that it can match up um, with any with any of the top teams. You saw it against Toronto. Like they were, It was a, ba- a bad flagrant call away and two turnovers, two bad turnovers away late in the final minute from potentially beating Toronto. They beat Boston without Jimmy. Um, you know, they're 2-0 against Indiana. They're 3-1 against Philly. They... Two and one against Milwaukee, and you know played Milwaukee pretty well today without two of their best players. Like the one thing I, I I could still take away from this is that they they can compete with these teams, and I think one another encouraging uh, part of their start in Disney is the depth that's been on display. Yeah, like Andre looks good. Yeah, um, he did not look this way before the season was suspended. No. you know, granted he was off for months, but these past two games in specifically. Uh, he's, I think, at eight assists today and like seven rebounds. He, he's playing really well, hitting that corner um, three, hitting the corner three like in like in Golden State. I mean, Tyler Hero looks healthy. Um, Jay Crowder, you know, moving into the starting lineup, I like that move. It gives them more versatility, helps them defensively. I think, you know, I feel bad for Myers because he he was playing well before all, you know, before the switch was made. Yeah, uh, it makes sense. It allows the Heat to get their wings on the court, allows them to kind of leverage their versatility more. Um, being able to switch on the perimeter, more interesting lineups. Like once you get into the rotation, where you could play like three or four guys who could who could switch. Um, it, it's just it, I think it 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 emphasizes this roster strengths more. Uh, kind of using Jay in that spot. Yeah, yeah. It feels like whatever series they are in in the playoffs, because obviously they're going to be playing one of those. You know, they're, they're, obviously the, there's a top six basically in the East. Um, feels like any series the Heat are in, and really maybe just every Eastern Conference series other than, you know, the round one series for Milwaukee and Toronto as the top two seeds, like, they're going to be, like, six-game series, all of them, just the whole way. Like, yeah. everyone feels pretty – I mean, maybe Milwaukee, like, really gets in a groove, and I I mean, I guess the Heat, theoretically, right now, that would be the 1-4, um, if, assuming the Heat advance, like that looks like it, it'd probably be a six-game series. Maybe Milwaukee just turns it on and gets to a different level here down the stretch. You know, they've obviously wrapped everything up, so you know, it, it, I think it's gonna be hard to judge anything they're doing right now. But um, I mean, the East playoffs—it's gonna be the most fun East playoffs in a long, long, long time. Um, 
Yeah, and and that's crazy, right? Because Milwaukee has been so dominant and like historically good this season, but it still feels like kind of open. Like, yeah, well, that's the, I mean, open, that's but it still feels open. That's definitely been one of the stories I think of uh, the bubble so far. Not necessarily the um, Milwaukee not feeling dominant. You know, they lost, like you said, they lost two in a row. They lost to Brooklyn, um, but just. Kind of the way that, you know, the Lakers have lost a couple games there. You know, the Clippers have looked kind of shaky. Um, the teams, you know, everyone, I think, when this season shut down, agreed that it was three teams that had a real, real chance to win the championship. You know, obviously something could always happen, but the two L.A. teams in Milwaukee were so far and away the favorites, and, um, they, you know, they just have not looked that way so far. Obviously, we're only a week in. These guys haven't played in a long time, but... I mean, that was obviously a, a a theory when we went in here was that uh, could this be the great equalizer with everyone having time, so much time off, um, you know, teams getting healthy, some guys maybe not coming coming back a little rusty. Um, and so far, like, it, you could make the case that that's what's playing out and that the race has become more wide open in both conferences. I mean, obviously, like, Houston has been kind of a trendy – pick here lately to be like a, a real threat in the West is they've, they've looked really good. Um, and that, that Russell Westbrook at center <laughs> experiment that they were running um, at the end of the regular season and seemed to tail off a little bit as kind of recaptured some fire here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's not crazy to think that it could be, it's definitely more wide open, I think, and I, than it was when the season shut down. I don't think that's like a stretch to say, well, it's, you know, what I still say that those three are, are pretty clear favorites, yes. But um, I think it's definitely more open than it was uh, four months ago. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with it. I also think some of that is like Milwaukee and LA and the Lakers specifically kind of experimenting with guys. Yeah, definitely. Knowing that, they have, knowing that they have the top spot in the conference pretty much wrapped up. I know Milwaukee clinched today and yep. I think LA clinched a few days ago. Um, I think that's part of it, but yeah, I think no home court, obviously like that, that's going to have an impact. I don't know if it's going to have as like a big enough impact to say, Oh, LA could lose in the second round. Like, I, I don't know if I would go that far, but, um, I, I don't think, I think that advantage that those teams would usually have, obviously is not there. So, yeah. um, like my, for instance, I mean, Miami, Milwaukee, if they face each other in the second round, you don't have that game seven in Milwaukee. You know, if it goes to seven games, like you're playing right. on a neutral site. So that's where the difference comes right. comes in there. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, you also just like you mentioned, Andre Iguodala is in shape. Um, like, there, there's just guys. Kind of every team is structured a little bit differently than they were at the end of the year. Obviously, the Lakers missing Avery Bradley. Um, yeah, you know, Portland. Look at Portland. Okay, yeah, anyway. Portland looks great. That's another team I I should have mentioned when I was talking about like Houston as being a trendy. T- like, there's just teams that are, are different, and it, it kind of changes the complexion of uh, the league. Uh, to a degree right now. Yeah, uh, that Portland-Lakers matchup, you know, I, I picked the Lakers, but that's going to be a fun series. Yeah. A fun 1-8 series there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the basketball, it's been a point that a lot of people have made, but the basketball just has been so good, and you realize it's it's mostly because there's basically, like, there's 20 good teams there, and right. then and then the Wizards and the, and the Nets. Even the Suns have been great, right? Like I was going to say the Suns. Like, that was the one kind of quote-unquote – Gimme game for the Heat, and they're four and zero in the bubble. Yeah. <laughs> they played them Saturday. Yeah, 
not all of a sudden that's not an easy game for them, uh, especially if Jimmy and Goran can't play. So one other thing I wanted to mention too, um, when I was talking about the heat depth, I think we have to like kind of acknowledge Kelly Olynyk. Yeah. He's been, well, you, when you mentioned that you feel bad for Myers, I mean. It's like kind of cliche to, to say they're redundant because they're both seven foot white dudes who, who bang threes. But um, I mean that's that's a huge reason why Myers isn't in there is because Kelly is is doing a lot of what Myers does just at a crazy level right now. For sure. I mean Kelly right now he's I mean how could you not play him as your second big man? Yeah. You know uh, he he does what Myers does, but he also is I would say. Uh, probably a little more skilled even than Myers just because yeah he's, a, he's probably a better playmaker but, obviously Myers yeah. has gotten a lot of credit for his defense um, I know so much of that is kind of wrapped up in intangible stuff that it's kind of hard to judge but it seems like Myers gives you that little bit extra on defense and Kelly gives you um, you know that that second dimension on offense whereas Myers is really just like a pick and pop guy yeah spot up shooter Kelly could put it on the floor he could he, I think at eight assists against Boston yep. uh, he could he rebounds well um so yeah, I, I, yeah, Kelly has been. That's a huge difference. I mean, and I think two of these games probably might, might have been their best player. Um, he, he's been so good, and also, um, uh, stop. Sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. Three, two, one, and also Duncan Robinson too. Like both of those guys yeah. have been incredibly good. Like Duncan had that one bad game against Toronto where he really didn't get many shots off, but. Um, he's quickly <laughs> picked up where he left off. I mean, his ability to make threes uh, when he, when two guys are in his face is just incredible. Like, he's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. It helps to be 6'7". Like, that's the thing you forget about Duncan. And, and it's, you know, his defense, I think, has always been underrated. And it's just like, when you're 6'7", there's, like, certain things you can do that just a guy who's six, even 6'4", six, 6'5", six, can't do. Like, the ability to shoot over guys and that little extra bit of mustard you can play on defense is it's a big difference uh, i really enjoyed him mic'd up today i didn't see it i was watching fox sports oh yeah i was watching the uh tnt broadcast they had him mic'd up and you know he's talking trash it's like he and uh he and tyler here really? are gonna like achieve the singularity at some point where they're just gonna you, become you, they're gonna rub what, off on what, each other what what is uh duncan talking trash sound like what like what did he say he was just like, I'm getting like, you know, not nothing like too crazy, but he's like, he hit that one three from the wing. I can't remember who was up on him. And he's like, got to put a hand up. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. No, he, he, uh, he had 21 points. Yeah, he, he was, was great. His first, like, he and Tyler in the first half are electric. He carries burden. Like, who would have thought that, right? Yeah. Yeah, he and, he and Tyler were electric in the first half today, and then... I mean, it was obviously, like we said, it got really sloppy uh, in the second half for those guys. Yeah, I, I think my biggest takeaway from this has just been I kind of forgot how much I like watching this Heat team play. Yeah, it's a fun team. Like, I texted you yesterday, like a fun yeah. little Heat team. Like, they, they just play a pretty style of basketball. They have, like, so many interesting lineups they could turn to, and they're so versatile. Uh Especially when Andre's playing this way and they're starting today, yeah. like it's it's an it's a very interesting team. Like it's almost a team that makes me believe that Spo like this is Spo's dream team. It seems like this yes. versatile guys who could all shoot. You know, there's no like super mega star on the roster, but they're all those like quote unquote Heat culture guys. Uh, yeah, it just seems like the perfect roster for Spo. I always think about this when I'm when either when we're kind of talking about how fun it is to watch this team. 
But last year there were, you know, kind of, you know, obviously the team which is way less talented, but they had those lineups they would run last year where it was like Goron, Bam, um, I, I think Dion was in there. Uh, I don't even, I can't remember who was on the roster last year, but it was like kind of the lineup where you had like five guys who were good passers. And I know, you know, it's kind of funny to say that with Dion, but he, you know, he, he penetrates and he's a good kickout guy. Five guys who are good passers and um, like four good shooters plus Bam. And it was just, that was when they were at their best, basically. It was when that lineup was, was humming where, you know, Dion would drive and you would he'd kick it out and you get passing and, and everyone has to shoot everyone can shoot so you got to be out on them and they're making the extra pass and that's just what this team is like all the time um, and that's why they're so fun to watch is that pretty much other than Kendrick like everyone on this team is a willing passer and pretty much everyone's at least like confident enough to take a three. Yeah, and, and I would say also another thing that I've noticed is. You can just tell when you're watching them play. Like they're all so smart. Like they have yeah. such high IQ players. Like even they're always seems to be making. They always seem to be making the right pass. They always seem to be in the right spot on defense. Yeah, they might not be the best guy out there, but they they just you can just tell like they they're they're prepared and they know yeah. what they're doing. There's no like what are they doing? Like there's no mo- there are rarely moments like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you run into it sometimes with like. You know, basically Tyler and Kendrick are the only two guys who kind of run into those me- yeah. moments, and obviously they're the the two rookies, right? So it, it yeah, makes those sense. Two young guys, you might have those moments somewhat, but like you know, obviously Jay and Andre are experienced. Cody's yeah. a very smart player. Bam, Jimmy, like you just have a bunch of smart guys who, yeah, and and you could tell like in the way the team is playing, like how how high IQ this roster is. What do you think of the defense so far? I mean, they gave up 130 today, so it's weird to talk about it as, like, that's been a positive storyline so far. But I think, you're, like, you wrote yesterday about how the first three games, the defense. Um, yeah. Obviously, we, we've spent a lot of time this season talking about how the defense just was not great. Um, but through the first three games, it looked really good in the bubble. How much are you buying into it? Um, and, again, they gave up 130 no. points today. Yeah, obviously today was a little bit of a step back. But no Jimmy. No Jimmy. But no Jimmy, and I mean, a lot of those, obviously, like, the first half wasn't bad for them. Like, yeah. they allowed, what, 56 points in the first half, but it wasn't, it, it, it was a solid defensive effort. And I think, I think part of that is, they're never going to be a top five, I don't think they're going to be a top five defensive team, but I think their hope is obviously not to be mediocre, maybe yeah. nine or ten, if they could play, like, at that level uh, the rest of the way. I think part of that is, you're playing more, more of your wings, more minutes. Yeah. And I think that was one of the big reasons of making the switch in the starting lineup. Getting Jay in there, um, they're switching a lot more, like I mentioned earlier. And I think you see kind of uh, the benefit of that, um, especially when you play teams like like Boston, who mm-hmm. has so many wings that they can throw at you. Um, that that's that's a more effective way of, of defending them. So I, I think that's why Spo has, has made this move, um, and I think they can be. Uh, and you've seen it so far, not today, but you've seen it in the first three games. They can be a better defensive team than they showed in February and March and January, where they were like pretty much below average. Yeah. Um, I think they can be like a 10, you know, playing in that like fringe bottom of the top 10 type level defense. And and if they're playing offense the way they've been playing all season, where they're, you know, sixth, fifth or sixth best offense in the league, if you have like the 10th best defense, you're going to be a very good team. Yeah. Um, so. I think that's kind of the goal here moving forward. Yeah. I mean, it's – I 
Iguodala was obviously the big part of that acquisition when it happened. Like that was the name, the it was the headline basically. And then for a while we were like, eh, this doesn't look great. Jay Crowder is kind of the the signature piece, and obviously Jay's the starter. Like he's been great, but like we almost it seemed you know we probably overrated the Andre Iguodala for a minute, uh, Andre Iguodala acquisition for a minute, and then we probably underrated it because he, I mean he's the he's a basically the difference between now when the regular season ended and now, right? Like. Obviously, Jay's, you know, starting now, but he was playing a lot of minutes um, when the regular season ended. But but Iguodala going from being a guy who clearly was rusty to being a guy who looks like, you know, he could be in your top eight of a, you know, really good playoff team rotation. Like, he looks like he's obviously not as fast as he used to be, but he's still pretty awesome. Like, his def- I don't know, I haven't looked at his defensive uh, metrics from the Milwaukee game. But, um, you know, they were really good in the Boston game. Basically, like, what, I think, like, guys he was guarding were, like, 2 of 11 or something when he was guarding them. Like, he was, he is the guy who can be your, your number one defender, number one defensive option, um, you know, when, when you don't want to have Jimmy carrying such a big two-way burden. Yeah, I and mean, you even saw it today. I mean, didn't have much success, but how many different guys they threw at Giannis. Like, they have yeah. a lot of guys that they could throw at different wing players, whether it's Jay or Andre or Derek Jones or Jimmy or even Bam at times. Um, They have, they have um, so many different options they can turn to. Um, And I think that's going to be an advantage, you know, as as you get into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously Giannis got going at the end there, but I mean, you could definitely see a couple of times with Bam and foul trouble that was uh, playing into Giannis getting to the rim so easily, but um, man, Giannis is good. Yeah, this is really good. One question I want to ask you, David. Really curious about this because Kendrick Nunn has he scored 14 points today, but on five of 17 shooting, mm-hmm. he's kind of struggled here. Yeah. Would you make us? Would you replace him with like Goron or Tyler in the starting lineup, or would you stick with what's there right now? What would you do? I like the Goron off the bench um, because you know like, it's no secret that that Jimmy's really the point guard. Um, and Goran has been so good in that bench role where he can come in and run the offense. Um, you know, his his shooting has been really good. Like, he's a guy who, like, kind of can create his own shot <laughs> all of a sudden. Like, I know he could always kind of do that, but, like, he can be your go-to scoring option off the bench. Um, so I, I like them being split up. I've always liked Kendrick kind of paired with um, Jimmy because Kendrick is actually, like, a, a very good spot up shooter like that's kind of what his his background was before he, he became like a pure scorer <laughs> like in college he was a guy who was like one of the best three-point shooters in the country um I, I think in the g league his shooting numbers were really good too um like that's where i think his his maybe not his ceiling but that's where he that's what makes him great is that that ability to play off the ball as a three-point shooter so i'm, I'm cool with kendrick still being in the starting lineup you know he's had these streaks kind of all year right like feels like once every two months we were writing about how Kendrick finally like hit the rookie wall and then he'd kind of put it together. So I'm I'm not panicking about Kendrick yet. And I, I like Goran off the bench, Kendrick in the starting lineup. Um, you know, in crunch time, Goran's been playing crunch time minutes all year. Like you, you figured out then, but I like the way they split up the, the creators um, and put a lot of shooters in the starting lineup around um, Jimmy and Bam. Cause apparently Jay Crowder is like a sniper. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can't even believe the numbers. It looks like a misprint that he was a thirty percent three point shooter before he got to Miami. Like he's yeah. 
He's like, how? What is he like at forty percent since arriving to the heat? I don't even know, but it seems like he's like between he's forty confident. and forty-five percent. He's confident. Confidence is key. Yeah, he just he's you know, today he was a four of six. Good God, yeah, he's when he's hitting the three, like he's the perfect guy to put in that starting lineup because he can hit the three like Myers, but he can also defend multiple positions on the other end. Yeah, that's um, going to be, I, I think, the big because um, at some point, I mean. I assume at some point he's going to hit a cold spell um, in the playoffs. Like, even if it's like a two game stretch where he's like one for 12 from three and it just makes your, that lineup, I think a lot worse. I mean, that could be a really good defensive lineup. Obviously those are three of your four best defensive guys on the court together. Um, But you, then you're kind of only have two shooters on the floor. Obviously Duncan kind of counts as two shooters himself. Um, but, like, it's uh, – that's going to be kind of like – I'm sure Spo is, is preparing for that and whether you're going to have to make a move there. Um, I, I think that's going to be a question we're going we're gonna to face at some point. I mean, yeah. it happens a lot of times in the playoffs. With good, I mean, think of the Warriors in, you know, the year when, like, Harrison Barnes just Didn't stopped make anything, making yeah. shots. Like, he's a better player than Jay Crowder is, obviously. Um, but, like – it happens with guys at that level who are who are not stars, who are who are not like super reliable shooters. That if you can't shoot in the playoffs, then teams can guard you totally differently. Jay Crowder is shooting forty two point five percent from three with the Heat. That's so yeah. Good. I, the regression is probably going to come. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the the thing is that he's good enough from three that teams should still probably respect the shot. Yeah. So and like I said, he's confident. Season. Yeah. Like, he's, right. he's going to pull up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he can put the yeah. ball on the deck, so. Yeah. No, he does. He he, he puts the ball on the deck more than Myers. Yeah. Um, so, that, that's another element that he provides that lineup. All right. Um, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back with uh, Tim Reynolds reporting live from inside the bubble. All right, we are back, and we are now joined by the Associated Press's Tim Reynolds, our correspondent inside uh, the NBA's bubble in Lake Buena Vista. Not fired, as you apparently thought you were. I listen. That uh, I I'm not allowed to comment on on my status with the with 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 the pod. I'm just not allowed. I'm I, it's a sensitive situation, but you know, I'm I'm so glad to be the hashtag correspondent. In, in, inside the bubble. Although I have gotten, the reason that I'm a little worried about my status going forward is I have not gotten Cafe Bastello. Like Anthony <laughs> made this happen for Spo in like 12 minutes. And I am like, you know, licking the inside of used Dunkin' Pods right now. Like it, it's really getting desperate up here on the coffee front. Let's let's start the campaign Bustello for Tim on Twitter right after this. I tried. Nobody cared. I tweeted about it. Nobody cared. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I do not have the Bustelo juice that you have. By the end of this bubble, Cafe Bustelo is going to be like the official coffee of the National Basketball Association. Should be the official coffee of life. <laughs> I ain't a, a, a cut of that sponsorship, by the way. <laughs> yes, you do. Um, all right, so we we are, we've got a week of games in the books now. Um, I'm just kind of curious from from someone on the ground. What have been kind of the big stories? What is the buzz? Um, you know, I, I think from afar, a lot of people, you know, see some of the top teams struggling a little bit, particularly the Lakers. 
some of those that that race for the eight seed in the West has been, I think, shockingly compelling. Um, what well, what have kind of been the big stories on the ground? What's everyone talking about uh, when you uh, are at the uh, bocce court or whatever? Well, it's it's a pickleball court. Pickleball Thank court. You. Sorry. And the, uh, the, do we even have? Does bocce have courts? I don't know. I don't know. I always confuse bocce and cricket. They might even be the same. I I don't know. I'm now now I'm offending the bocce people. I'm I, it's we're off to a good start. Um, I I think if you got told that one team after its first five games here was going to be last in shooting, last in three point shooting, last in scoring, and next to last in free throw percentage, you would not think it was the Los Angeles Lakers, but there they are. I mean, it's, and yes, I, I know that, okay, they were playing with different lineups against Houston. Well, it's been five games. You know, LeBron's played in four of them. I think AD's played in all five. They, this, they're not sitting out guys en masse to, to have numbers that are this bad. This is, it's a problem. For them, and you know, I go back to something—a line that you know LeBron just sort of threw out a couple nights ago about how you know there's some things going on that he doesn't want to get into. Whether that's a LeBron mind game, which he's very capable of and is expert at, um, or if there truly is something else going on. I mean, you know, by and large, the shooting in here, shooters have loved it. Shooters have loved these courts. They like the depth perception. They like the way they're lit. They like the fact that you're on these courts all the time. It's not like you're going to, you know, Portland for one trip a year or Sacramento one trip a year, and and there's not 20,000 fans screaming at you. It's, even though it sounds like it with all the ridiculous crowd noise, it's, these are kind of shooters' gyms. And the numbers, you know, small sample size, it's only been a week, the numbers are up. The scoring numbers are up. The shooting numbers are up from what the regular season was. And the Lakers are the gang that can't shoot straight. And I, I, it's, you know, all this will be forgotten when they take a one nothing lead in their playoff series. Yeah. But it's right right now. It's it's a thing. It's a it's I think we're officially elevated from a thing to a to do in here because they are going that they, they just don't look happy. And. You know, the playoffs are a week away, and a team certainly good enough to win it all looks miserable. And to me, I think that might be that might be emerging as the thing to watch in here. I know it's, you know, the eight seed is not decided yet, but how fun would that Lakers-Blazers series be if that happens? I mean, especially because everything that's going on with the Lakers, like you just said, and, and, with, uh, and Portland playing the way they're playing with Dame and Carmelo and CJ and... Nurkic, like that. That's that's a, you know, Lakers will be favored, obviously, but that would be a fun little one-eight series. Oh yeah, it'd be a bust. And, and remember too, whoever gets that eight seed is going to have to win. I mean, it's you know, as we sit here right now, it's not it's not certain yet. But I think it only takes like one more Grizzlies loss or one more Blazers. I mean, it's the the playing series isn't isn't assured of happening, but it's going to happen. Like there would have to be like 29 things that happened for there not to be a play-in series, which means someone is going to go into that one, eight series feeling really, really good about themselves. 
and it's not going to be the Lakers. There's going to be a team that had to win a tournament game to play its way into the playoffs, and they're going to have a lot of momentum, a lot of confidence, and a serious, you know, a looseness to them that only comes when you have nothing to lose. Um, the Lakers have everything to lose, mm-hmm. and it, it just feels like it's going to have to be LeBron and AD against the world. And I don't know if that's the formula LeBron signed up for. I really don't know if that's it. So um, I think a 1-8 with the Blazers would be fun. A 1-8 with anybody is going to be fun because whoever that 8 seed is, nobody's going to be able to back their way in. Somebody's going to have to win their way in. And that's, you know, that's uh, optimal, I guess, when you want to go into the playoffs. You want to go in with a full head of steam. Yeah, all those teams have been somewhere from either good to entertaining. You know, even the teams that have, are, you know, obviously the Suns have been one of the more surprising stories in there. And then this, the Spurs look Spursy um, once again. And, and even the Kings and the Pelicans, who are kind of like the two, you know, probably like, you know, the Pelicans of Zion and the, and the Kings scored 140 points yesterday. Like, they're, it's going to be entertaining, even, even if somehow one of those, like, bottom teams is the one that gets the eight seed and they get swept by the Lakers or losing five. Like, they'll at least make it fun. It's did Shaq really ask yesterday if Harrison Barnes still plays for the Kings? Did that really happen? Did you guys hear that? No, I, I didn't see that. Shaq on Inside the NBA said they showed some highlight, and it was Harrison Barnes, and they were discussing Harrison Barnes or something. I was like half asleep when I saw it, and Shaq said, "Does he still play for them?" <laughs> dude, dude owns a piece of the team. Yeah, I was gonna say it. Doesn't he own a piece? <laughs> It's the best league in the world. It yeah. really is the best league in the world when stuff like this is going on. Uh, but, I mean, David, to your point, though, the Kings scoring 140, there's just there's just a lot of I, – I just think – I mean, even the Wizards, like, are enjoying this experience. Like, 21 teams in here yeah. seem like they're having fun. And the others, the Los Angeles Lakers. Yep. Yeah. And, and again, we, we're not around them twenty four seven. We only we only know what we see at practice or games. But and I I hate this. I hate this so much to say, you know, their body language wasn't good. Man, their body language just isn't good right now. So every vibe they're giving off is bad. It's it's definitely. Um, if I'm if I'm Denver, if I'm the Clippers. If I'm Utah, if I'm any of these other West teams, Houston, of course, mm-hmm. if I'm any of these other West teams that feel like, okay, we came here with a shot, well, now I'm feeling like we got a real shot because they just don't look very Laker-like. Yeah, yeah and and you, you, I mean, Tim, you were Ronald LeBron for four years down here, and obviously having LeBron is incredible. He makes every team a contender, but that's kind of the burden, right, of being having LeBron on the roster. Like, that happens with his teams at times in the season, the Heat. You know, it happened with the Cavs at times, and right now you're seeing it with the Lakers. Like, when things aren't going well, he's going to make it tough, and he's going to put a lot of pressure on the organization and everybody in it to kind of get things in the right direction. I, and it's kind of similar to what he's done in, in other stops, right? I mean, it, isn't it? I mean, didn't the Heat go through this at some points, and, and the Cavs as well? Yeah, they went through it in 2014. How'd that work? Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, the Cavs went through it in 2010. How'd that work out? Yeah. Um, you know, I, he's, at, even at 37, and with $206 billion in the bank, like, 
he still wants this more than anything and still wants to win, still wants championships, wants to be the guy that restores, you know, the luster to, to Laker nation. Um, he puts himself for a guy who doesn't have anything to worry about in life. Really? He puts himself in these situations where he just, he demands to be under an enormous Mm -hmm. amount of pressure. And what the one thing that LeBron hasn't realized yet is that not everyone else in the league enjoys that. In fact, very few guys in the league enjoy being under the amount of pressure that he thrives in. And I'm not saying he puts them there. He just wants, he just still, even today, he still wants it more than most people. And and you can make teammates better. You can make them better passers. You can set them up for more open shots. You can take defensive attention away from them just because you're LeBron James and help them out and help them that way, help your team that way. He can't make anyone on earth want it as much as he does. And I don't know if that's what's going on with the Lakers, but it kind of feels like that might be what's going on with the Lakers. Let's shift it over to the Eastern Conference. What have been, uh, on that side of the bracket, kind of the the biggest stories you think so far? Well... I mean, the Bucks clinched, but we all knew the Bucks would clinch. I mean, they came yep. here with that was that well, was their a magic deal. number was like two or something. Two. Yeah, yeah, two. I, you know, they're you know, it's it was done. We all knew that. Um, Toronto looks Toronto to me, and feel free to disagree with me. Toronto to me looks like the best team here, which. I mean, they're tough. They defend. I did. I didn't like the Kyle Lowry, Aaron Gordon play. Let's just say that. Like that's. I don't know if there was intent or not, but it's just a bad look. Um, and I, I and I like Kyle Lowry a lot, and he's well respected. So I take that moment away. There's really nothing. There's nothing you can point to in these three games that they've played here so far, saying, "Well, there's a weakness." Um, I think Nick is brilliant. I think they're tough. They make shots. Fred Van Vliet is no longer playing. We can't say that he's playing out of his mind anymore because this is obviously who he is. You don't play out of your mind for a year and a half. Um, No one has a hot streak that lasts this long. It's just time to say this is who he is. He's this player. Um, I I mean, I I know the Heat, if, if they get everybody back, could they certainly are capable of going deep and Milwaukee's going to finish with the best record in the NBA, but isn't it really difficult right now to pick anybody but Toronto coming out of the East? I mean, that to me looks every bit like a team good enough to do it again without Kawhi and without Danny Green, which is crazy. To me, Toronto's playing incredible and they've been playing incredible since January um, on both ends. I mean, they've been, they're one of the, probably the best defensive team in the past few months, or not the past few months, but since January, you know, the last four months of basketball. Um, and offensively, they've gotten better and better as the year has gone on. The one thing that I just struggle with saying, okay, they're going to they're gonna come out of the East, is because, I, to me, like, they're like the Heat, where the Heat can beat anybody, and they're so well coached. They're deep, they can make shots, they have a bunch of really good players, but they just don't have that Giannis, they don't have that LeBron, they don't have that Kawhi. And I think in the end, you know, to win a championship, you need that. You need that one guy. 
And that's why I will stop short of saying, like, they'll come out of the East. To me, it's still the Bucks because they have Giannis. And in the end, that's going to make that, – that might just be the difference because, like you said, the East is so competitive where the, the margin for error is razor thin. But I just think having Giannis is the difference maker, uh, you know, among the, among the top teams in the conference. Yeah, to me all year it's been like I think the consensus has been Milwaukee and then everybody else from that like next group of East teams, but I think now it's clearly Milwaukee and maybe like a little step down to Toronto and then a, a pretty significant step down to the rest of the, the crop in the East. Not to say Boston or Miami or even Philly, if they figure things out, can't like give any, either of those teams a series, but I think if you're just talking odds, those two are, are clearly above and beyond everyone else in the conference. Well, the Philly situation. Yeah, that's, you know, I would say that's probably been the other story in the East, right? It's like what? With, with, if, if you, know, you know, again, as we sit here now, you know, nobody knows for sure how long it's going to be for Simmons, but it, it's going to be weeks, not days. Yeah. Like it, it's just this isn't a two-day injury, and this isn't an injury where you can tough it out. You know, you can't tough this one. I mean, you know, everything that people have said, and I'm sure they're just getting most of it off the Internet, but everything people have said about this injury is once you do it once, you're really prone to doing it again and doing it worse. And, uh, you know, there's a future to think about. He has an enormous contract, obviously. You're not going to throw him. And and plus, you're going to be best case the five probably the six seed i don't think anybody's really thinking that philly's going to win it this year i kind of wonder if that all enters into the equation when they actually do figure out how long he's going to miss i I, it wouldn't shock me if he doesn't play again in the bubble It, it just wouldn't um so that that limits the list that that takes one team off the list of of east contenders but you know, Boston. Also, Boston's another team, guys. Yeah. Too like they just haven't looked great yet. Um, now they've got you know, and we don't know what we don't know what percentage Kemba is, but he's not a hundred, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, they have Brad Stevens, and Brad Stevens can figure anything out. I'm I'm definitely a Brad Stevens fan, no question. But um, I mean, the list of East contenders to me, it's Three teams, and that's it. I, I I don't know if you can make a rational argument for anybody else other than one, two, and Miami coming out of the East. I, I just don't know if you can right now. Now, I do think the East playoffs will be what the East playoffs usually are. They're going to be physical. They're going to be bloody. Um, I'm not sure how healthy anybody's going to be when yeah. they get out of the East, whoever emerges. Um, but I do think I, I think Miami's in the conversation of teams that, that certainly can win the East. Um, I'm just going to – I haven't done my playoff package yet because, you know, there really hasn't been time, but, oh, my gosh, it runs in a week. I probably should start it at some point. I I don't know if I'm going to be typing anything else other than when I have to make the silly pick that everybody will forget, hopefully. I'm probably going to pick Toronto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Miami was uh, dangerously close to being, like, a thing if they hadn't blown a 23-point lead to Milwaukee yesterday. I just, again, and and Anthony wants to to bar me from saying this, but I I just want to know what 
if Jimmy Butler is going to be there or not. That's mm-hmm. just what I want to know. I mean, that's I, a big. That's going to be the difference, right? Like, obviously, it, Goron too. Yeah, yeah. Goron too. It's, yes, it's really, really difficult to say the Heat can do blank right. when you don't know if those two guys when when they'll be there or how effective they'll be when they get there. It, right. it, it's really difficult to make any absolute blanket statement, unless you're Heat Twitter, of course. <laughs> when, God bless Heat Twitter. Yeah. I, I, now we have Marlins Twitter. Like, this, this is a great time. What a time. Just what a time. Small Florida sports, huh? How about it? All right. I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, Tim, thanks as always for coming on. You can follow him at by Tim Reynolds. Uh, he's got all your scoops from inside the bubble. Um, hopefully you'll be back on next week if we don't fire you. David, you know what I don't have scoops of? I don't have scoops of Cafe Bustella. <laughs> Hashtag Bustella for Tim. Hashtag Bustella for Tim. You have to you have to put a, post a photo uh, holding a mini sign with that hashtag. <laughs> it can go viral. I'm just gonna post a photo of, of these like ridiculous like like golf bag size bags under my eyes and being like, "Yo, I've not had good coffee in five weeks. Come on, Bastella, hook me up." <laughs> right, that'll be our mission for the next week. Tim, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you guys. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Heat Check Podcast. We'll be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, you can follow myself on Twitter at DBWilson2, and you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore.